Welcome to the University of Wyoming Today. On this program, you'll hear about what's making the news and about the people and events at UW. You'll also learn about some of the leading research that's taking place at one of the region's top universities. And now, here's today's edition of the University of Wyoming Today. Hi, Jim Kearns with you. Today we'll be hearing about a new program that's bringing hope to Wyoming's incarcerated women. And about some of the world's oldest books you can touch and read and admire right here in Wyoming. But first, you've read it, and your parents read it, and your children and your grandchildren will read it too. The enduring novel of Southern Racism, To Kill a Mockingbird was brought out into the public discourse once again with the passing of author Harper Lee. University of Wyoming English professor Jeannie Holland is from Alabama, where that story took place. And she assesses what's behind the novel's enormous worldwide popularity. There's the character of Atticus Finch, who I, I would think nearly everyone would want a father like Atticus. I mean, he's, he's a hero, you know, he's really kind of a mythic figure. He's courageous, he's compassionate, he's kind, he's intelligent. He interacts with his children so beautifully, and they develop a sense of self-esteem and self-respect because, and, and independence because he is their father. There's that. I think that for a lot of white readers, To Kill a Mockingbird is a feel-good book. You know, it's like, here is this, this good man, a man of integrity, who stands up to defend the wrongly accused Tom Robinson and does his best to try and see justice served. And finally, he's defeated, but you... You don't fault Atticus for that. You fault the racist system that causes that decision to be made. Um, If you are a white reader, I'm generalizing, but I think this is mostly true, um, you identify with Atticus. You say, well, uh, if I were in that situation, that would be me. That's how I would act. And not with the low-class, poor Ewell family. Oh yes, it's a great story, and a great movie, too. I asked Professor Jeannie Holland to assess Harper Lee's position among the great Southern writers. Was Margaret Mitchell not a great Southern writer? I mean, she wrote Gone with the Wind. There are problems with racist stereotypes in that, I'll be the first to say. But, you know, it was an amazingly popular book. Same thing with To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, It is just this touchstone for so many people. So, I mean, is she, is Harper Lee as great, as intricate, as complex a writer as Flannery O'Connor? No, she's not. But that book still is very powerful. You have to, when you're thinking about like the best writers, it's almost like you have to have different categories. The best and appealing to popular imaginations and then critically look at that and say, is this a good thing or a bad thing that it was so popular? But I would say definitely if you were teaching Southern literature, she's someone you could, you should talk about. You may not teach the books, but she should be on the discussion list. 
And long live Atticus Finch and this wonderful tale of life in the South that will touch people's lives forever. The Wyoming Department of Corrections has encouraged University of Wyoming Gender and Women's Studies faculty members and some others to move forward on a project called Pathways from Prison. It will be offering support to currently and formerly incarcerated women in Wyoming. One of the professors working on the project is Susan Dewey, who has been researching violence against women for more than a decade. As a low population density state, particularly one with one four-year university and one women's prison, we have a powerful role to play in making some significant changes to what women have access to when they get out, and also to what women have access to before they even get in a situation where they have to be incarcerated because they have, you know, broken the law. First and foremost, there is no halfway house facility that is specifically for women. And I think that this is an issue. Um, many of the women in the halfway houses talked about what it's like when they have visits with their kids and they know that there are men around who are registered sex offenders because they've hurt children. So I think my main message about women who've been incarcerated is that these are women that have landed a little harder than most of us have when we made our bad choices. And I think as a community, it's very, very important to think about ways to provide support. I think we can do this in the long term. One of the challenges, I think, will be how to overcome the distances. But I think there's a lot of potential with um, IT being what it is and using various forms of remote communication to offer instruction. It's called Pathways from Prison. And as it moves forward, it will be giving women a chance to move on with their lives. you think of when someone mentions an old book? It might conjure up images of some old volumes from your grandmother's bookshelf, with loose bindery and dried-out yellowing pages that crumble at the touch. But that's nothing compared to some of the old works in the University of Wyoming American Heritage Center's Top and Rare Books Library. Here's curator Anne-Marie Lane. Those date from a clay cuneiform tablet from ancient Mesopotamia, which is now modern Iraq, dating from about 2640 BCE. And when, so when people come in and ask, what is your oldest book? I say, you have to expand your idea of a book. It isn't just what we think of as a bound volume on, on the spine. But if you think of a book as a cuneiform tablet and a scroll, which they were book forms at their time, then our oldest is the clay cuneiform tablet. It's a temple account. It was my understanding from someone who came in and translated it that it was a, a temple of um, a goddess. And so these are um, items that are being brought in to honor her. Wow, that's old. And the library has a fragment from the Book of the Dead in Egypt from around 650 B.C. It's got illuminated manuscripts created by long-ago nuns and monks. Library curator Anne-Marie Lane says these are in better condition than some of those old books on your grandmother's shelf. 
the animal skin for some of the older ones, or the handmade linen rag paper on, on the, the printed books, it's beautiful, high quality. The most beautiful paper you will ever see in your life are on our books from the 1400s. People come in the library and say, oh, I don't want to touch anything because it'll fall apart. Because they're thinking of the books of the, our grandparents, our great-grandparents from the late 1800s, early 20th century. Yes, those books are falling apart because it's brittle paper, because it's wood pulp. Wood pulp is naturally acidic with lignin in it. The books before the mid-19th century are made with recycled clothes, originally linen rags and then cotton rags. That's what the rag men were doing, going around collecting rags to make paper with. So in addition to it being good quality paper that's doing just fine, um, the books are hand-sewn. Instead of just glue slapped on the edges with machine-made cases, they're hand-sewn, they're hand-constructed with leather on the outside or cloth or whatever you're choosing to hand-make that book from the pre-industrial -pre revolution in the 19th century. You can look at color images of some of those ancient books, plus a whole lot more. From the UW homepage, click the A to Z index and Toppen Library Rare Books. You can see early editions of the Book of Mormon, and they've even got some works autographed by the likes of Amelia Earhart, Mary Pickford, Thomas Edison, and Robert Frost. You can see them all in the Toppen Rare Books Library. It's an amazing collection. I'm Jim Kearns, and that's it for my time. Thanks for yours. That's it for this time. Join us again for the next edition of the University of Wyoming Today.